welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 142 for Saturday the 2nd of March 2019. Coming up on this week's diary, why there are signs of diminishing returns on BookBub this week. The results of my three list building promos, which have been running throughout this past seven days. And we're into the home straight as I'm now on to the final 10,000 words of my second book in 2019. So I always feel like I haven't got much done. But actually, since you and I both spoke, I've had a good writing week, actually. I've written 20,750 words since I last recorded a diary. So let me give you that breakdown of words. I wrote 5,078 words on Saturday the 23rd, or February that will be, of course. On Sunday the 24th of February, I wrote 5,380 words. On Thursday, yesterday as I'm recording this, I wrote 5,193 words. And in the last 10 minutes, I've literally just stopped typing, recorded the word numbers, just jotted a few notes down into the outline script I use for this recording uh, because I've, I've got things to do this afternoon. So I need to get this recorded. I've just written 5,099 words. So you add it all up, it's 20,750 words. So at times when I think, oh, I don't feel like I've really got a lot done this week. That's pretty good, isn't it? 20,000 words. And we're up to the 40,000 word marker now, uh, almost at the end. These are 50,000 or so word books. And they tend to go up rather than down when I'm editing, because if anything, I tend to write uh, briefly uh, and and have to add a little bit more detail usually when I'm editing rather than taking. So I do take stuff out, but I think the net effect is that I usually add stuff. So that feels like a pretty good writing week. Now, uh, tomorrow, I, I I could write four days in a row. So if I wrote tomorrow and Sunday, I could have this book written on Sunday. And that would be quite nice because next week I start writing book three. Yeah, I know it is intense, isn't it? Uh, but I do want to, I, I do at least want to get these three written by the end of March if I can. So I'm a little bit unsure. I, I, I was going to do a park run, but I don't have to do a park run uh, tomorrow. You might remember me saying, oh, I might have to change the number of park runs I do because I turned up for one a few weeks ago and it had been so cold and icy that I had to cancel it. And I was a bit worried that I might fit my six in during this quarter. But I'm definitely going to fit my six in. I've even got wriggle room for the park runs now. So I've got a choice. I can actually uh, do a park run, extra park run tomorrow if I want to. Um, or I could write. So I think I might just see how I feel towards the end of today. I, I might just carry on writing until I'm finished on the Sunday. That that gives me, as a finisher completer, that will make me very happy because I'll finish one book on the Sunday. And then when I come to writing again next week, I'll be starting a new one. So the way my mind is wired, it suits me better to, I'm almost convincing myself as I'm telling you here, actually to write four days in a row. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my powder dry. I'm not quite sure yet. I'll either do a run tomorrow or I will write and I'll write on Sunday as well so when I talk to you next week I'm definitely going to have book two finished but I'm not sure when I'm going to do the final words I might write Saturday and Sunday this week or I might I'm definitely writing Sunday or I might write Sunday and Thursday of next week and then start writing book three on Friday the 8th of March I would rather to be honest with you oops, sorry I'm just knocking things around on my desk I don't know whether you heard that in the background, uh, but I would rather have a clean start on a new book, I think, 
next week. So when I'm talking to you now, I'm minded to just keep writing. Now I've kind of got the head of steam up to the end of the book. Um, but that feels pretty good. You know, you know, when I was setting my objectives for this quarter, I didn't think I could write that fast. And when I think about it, you know, to be honest with you, I was writing fast enough before I did this. Um, I, I do actually, I think if you ask me what my preference was, I prefer the pace I was writing at before. I don't really like writing at this pace. It's only because it's time limited and very objective focused that I'm going to keep doing it. But I don't actually think that doing this week in, week out would be particularly healthy, really. I, I just, this just doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like you ever wake up to a day when you've got absolutely nothing on. That's why I don't like it. And I think, I think it's quite good for good, uh, good physical and mental health to have some days where you can just wake up and say, I don't have anything on today. I just think that's good for you. But, um, I am going to keep this up. I'm not sort of struggling with it at the moment. It just wouldn't be my lifestyle choice to write this much, as I think I said to you last week. But either way, book two's getting finished uh, by the next diary you hear. I'll let you know next week how I actually arrange the time. So the other thing I've been doing this week in the evenings is I have been editing. So this is into my third week of edits on military sci-fi book one. So as I'm writing one, I'm editing the other. And of course, as I finish writing book two I finish editing book one and I move to editing book two in the evenings and I start writing book three of the days it's crazy schedule isn't it it really is um, but, but actually it's feeling okay I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm only doing like an hour in the evenings I'm not really not forcing myself and I am giving myself plenty of time around this but um, I do think you've got to watch this I, you know people who are banging out a book a month I'm not sure that would be my lifestyle choice um, I think I prefer something in between what I'm doing now and what I have been doing in the past because I'm still pretty productive. I can produce what? I'm just trying to think how long it took me to write Don't Tell Meg, but I can generally write in a quarter. I'm just trying to think. Can't even remember how many I write now, but I can get three full-length novels out in a year. And that's okay, isn't it? I think by anybody's standard, that's okay. Uh, it's pretty good. So um, I do prefer that writing pace. I think that's what I'm telling you. Anyhow, when it came to the editing, I've actually had a pretty not very enjoyable editing week this week. I am terrible, right? Once, many years ago, many years ago, I once had to do an afternoon of filing in a new job. It was one of those jobs they'd given me. It was a sales rep job in between teaching posts. It didn't last very long, and it wasn't my kind of thing, really. But um, it was a sales rep job. And, and you know what it's like when you're, you're new in a job. Sometimes people think, do you know what? I've got to get rid of the new guys, <laughs> give him something to do so I can get on with my own work. And it was one of those jobs where they just give me some filing work to do and said, you know, have a look through some of the files and just see what um, the finance arrangements looks like. And do you know what? I was ready to, to, to give everything up in that afternoon because I hate, you know, boring, horrible, dull, uncreative clerical work. I hate it. I'm not good at it at all. And it really agitates me. It's not something I like. If it's not creative, if it doesn't uh, get my mind going, it's why I love coding because it inspires my mind. It challenges me. But if there's zero challenge and like a hundred percent just boring admin, I am not good at stuff like that. So this week I had a really boring administrative task to do. And let me tell you, this does not play to my strengths. Um, <laughs> I've got a real low tolerance of it. And I had to this week, because I had to suit the house style of my potential collaborators, I had to make some changes to the text, basically just to make it house style. And it was simply a kind of find, replace job. And it it's so boring. <laughs> it's so boring. I had to spread it out over more nights. So I, I, I'll be doing the last bit tonight. 
but it was uh, no actually i'll be doing the last bit on saturday i spread it out rather than doing it in was i going to do it over three nights i just oh, i couldn't face it so i I, uh, I've spread it out over more nights. I've got smaller amounts of work to do. It just drives me mad. If I do more than an hour of it, it's like I just, I've had enough. So um, it was just one of those boring tasks that I had to do. But I'll finish that off. That's me just having to make a change. I won't have to do this in book two because basically I wrote book one. I got loads of things wrong about house style and, you know, things that I was supposed to have done that I haven't done. And so I've, I've got to put them right, obviously. And that and that's fine. You know, I'm writing in somebody else's universe. And of course, now I'm writing book two. I know all those things and I'm not doing them in book two. So I'm not going to have to go back and change them because I'm getting it right now. And this is just, you know, this is just teething as far as I'm concerned. It's a pain in the butt. I don't enjoy it, but it's just a teething problem. And, um, you know, I have to get used to somebody else's universe. And um, I think I... I think I had those changes and knew I had to make those changes about book, about chapter two, three into, into the second book. So, you know, from that chapter onwards, everything's been changed to accommodate those changes. I am also going to have to go back to book two to do some of those dull changes, but at least it's only about three chapters I'm going to have to, to sort. So um, that really wasn't playing to my strengths. <laughs> I will admit I did not enjoy doing that work at all. But, uh, you know, there you go. It's, it's done or it's nearly done now. It will be done on Saturday. Uh, me having shirked my kind of duties this week and, and just split it out into smaller, more manageable chunks so I don't go spare. So um, that book should be finished, um, you know, in terms of my first edit um, by close of play on Sunday. I'm just going to go through, do some sort of final checks on spellings. Uh, now I've read that lovely passive voice book that I read over Christmas. I've got a whole load of um, checks you can do, just a kind of checklist to say, have you used passive voice and to identify that in the book so i'll be doing those checks but as far as a first edit leaving me is involved um it, it's ready to leave me at close of play on sunday so you know i i clearly you can sit there and edit something till the cows come home okay but it, it's it's what i call good to ship which means i've checked it you know i don't really have anything else to offer until somebody else looks at it now um, it's going to go to my collaborators they will look at it what i've said to them is look just you know i ain't precious about this and i don't really like editing that's as good as it's going to get leaving me you polish it your way so if you're not happy with the voice of the character that i've taken from their universe polish that if there's some stylistic things i've got wrong just change them you don't need to put notes in it just change them and make them the way you want it and then let's get it off to an editor um so you know i am very um I don't know. I am very conveyor belt with this. You know, I don't like editing. If, if, if I'm not doing creative editing, if it's just, you know, administrative changes, it's not enjoyable work for me. It doesn't feel creative. So I'm very happy to kind of hand that off and say, there you go. Look, that's, that's it. It's as good as I can get it for now. I need another pair of eyes over it now, which needs to be an editor. It needs to be collaborators. Um, you know, I need, otherwise I'm just going to be polishing and polishing and polishing and it ain't going to get any shinier because that's kind of me given it what I've got now I need new input I need editor input now or collaborator input and that's all fine and I expect it to come back with you know another load of notes which need to be changed and we'll get the thing um, ready to go but you know in terms of a story as far as I'm concerned once I've checked it on Sunday you could release it like that even though it might not be perfect for the universe you've got a story that's ready to go you know it wouldn't know if somebody reading it from scratch wouldn't sit there going oh you know love it it's not quite right uh, they wouldn't know any different it's only people who write in the universe who know the universe of the style guide and things who would know um, any different I think so um, that feels like good progress don't like editing still don't like editing I hear people say oh I can't I hate the first draft 
uh, and uh, you know I love editing and I think oh no it's different for me I love the writing bits the creative bit but I hate the editing I hate the scratching around you know trying to mess around and rearrange the deck chairs and all of that um, as you know I'm a finisher completer so that's my my profile you know I like things done which doesn't mean I like things shoddy uh, but I don't like to sit there polishing it forever. Um, to me, it reaches a point where you think, Jot, that's good to go. We'll get some readers on that, and they'll soon tell me what they think, and I can change it if I need to. If it's, you know, if I if I launch a duffer, if people clearly don't like it, we can go back to it at any stage, and we can give it a polish. We can give it a rewrite. So, um, as I say, my phrase is "good to ship," and um, from my point of view, we're almost there. But I'm waiting for new input now. Okay, so that's writing news. Of course, the big news of this week, as well as writing, is that I've had a BookBub promotion going all of this week. So the BookBub was on Monday. And let me just give you some sort of initial reactions to that. Now, I think in last week's diary, I thought that with pre-promotion, I might get the books up to top five in Amazon, UK and Amazon.com. I didn't. I got it in some categories uh, above five but I very definitely was well within um top 10 but I think it was like six five it was those kind of positions didn't quite squeeze it um past position five in the three categories on Amazon in which it was listed which doesn't matter because as soon as BookBub started promoting on Monday it was at um it went to number one in all the categories on Amazon it's been number one of Apple uh in free this week as well I'm just gonna actually when I'm talking to you it was still number one. So it's Friday as I'm recording this. In the UK, I am one in kidnapping crime fiction. I'm one in vigilante justice and I'm two in serial killer. So in the UK, I've dropped to position two. This is after five days. And where am I in dot com? In dot com, I'm number one in all my categories. So I'm one in uh, vigilante justice. I'm one in crime and I'm one in domestic um, thrillers. So uh, that's pretty good, I would say, after uh, kind of, you know, five days after a book bub. And um, my wife informs me and sent me a screenshot to show me that I've also been number one in Apple free books. Now, I think I was number one. I think I'm number one in all Apple free books. Now, I I might have got that wrong. Apologies if I've got that wrong. Uh, It might have been number one in because I can't look at Apple on my book. It's you know it's quite sort of high, on my PC. It's quite hard to look at Apple on a PC. Let me just have a look at the screenshot she sent me. She's been sending me these through the week, and I think it was, yeah, in, I'm sure in free books. I'm sure that's right. I just I just felt like I was maybe telling you porky pies, but um, yeah, she sent me a screenshot. Top free books. Don't tell Meg number one. It might not be now, but it certainly was last night when she sent me this. And right next to me, this is what makes me laugh about Apple. I love the Apple charts. I'm t- I'm number one in f- top three books. And then next to me is The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes by uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. So I, I love the charts you get on, on Apple. You, know, you get to sit next to some really funny kind of authors on Apple books. So, um, you know, from that point of view, uh, it has done exactly what it was supposed to do. And... Uh, what was the other point of view? I was just trying to think. There were a couple of parameters which I was quite happy with. So it got me to number one in all those charts. And actually, I think I've stayed there probably longer than I would have done. So I'm, I'm happy with those results. And oh, that's right. Do you remember I said to you, I didn't think it would do as well as previous book bubs have. And I'm, I'm, I'll tell you more about that in a moment or two, because I think I'm still right about that. Um, but I said to you, just in terms of me projecting my income from this book bub, I've halved it from last time. I've gone for 50%. Well, I can tell you, that the downloads on the launch day for BookBub, this is on the Monday, well, or the 24-hour period after it was launched, 
the total number of downloads were lower than they have been in either of my previous two bookbubs. So in the first bookbub, I was KDP Select and I had a huge number of downloads and I got loads of reads. The second bookbub I did, I think it was something like July, August of last year. Um, and those downloads on Amazon, on Amazon, remember, I'm getting downloads across five channels, uh, Google Play, Kobo, uh, what are the other ones? Google Play, Kobo, Apple, Barnes and & Noble, and, and, and Amazon. So I got lots and lots and lots and lots of downloads across all the five channels, but fewer downloads across uh, just Amazon. So I worked out that my downloads were 63% on Amazon. I haven't even looked at the numbers for the other channels yet. 63% of what they were on the last BookBub promo. So I could, you know, what I said to you before is that we've got fewer downloads. We are into diminishing returns in BookBubs. So what I got to say to you, and I think I've, I think I've said this pretty well all along with BookBubs, that having a BookBub does not an author career make. I've said that before that a bookbub is fantastic for cash flow. There's nothing quite like it. You know, you will shift a lot of free books. And if you've got, if you write in series, it's only, you know, I've had no success with this with standalones. I wouldn't even dare try it with a standalone because if I did a standalone, I think I'd just cover my costs, but there'd be no kind of long tail. There'd be no evergreen element to that. But when you've got a trilogy, I would only use trilogies on a bookbub uh, or a series, I should, I should hasten to add, a trilogy or a series where you've got read through. Um, I'm making money now as I always have on books two and three, the combo of books two and three together and the box set. They're all selling as they always have done. But this is now diminishing returns. I will make my money back. I will make profit on this one, but my money is going down. Now, um, so I said to you, I thought 50%. I was budgeting 50%. The numbers say it was 63% on launch day. I haven't done any kind of mathematics or stats or anything like that to, to kind of look at it with Apple or anything like that. So my my initial impressions that, that this would have a kind of half-life decay, that's pretty well what I'm seeing. You know, 63%, 50%, you know, it's just a few percent, isn't it? So I think I'm going to get half the income from that. So I'm going to make my money back. I'm going to make profit. It's going to be very good for cash flow. Still not sure whether I'm going to make the money that I budgeted for this. If you remember, I've got some Stuart Bache covers that I need to pay for from this. Um, I think I will, but I'm not sure. It's really hard to call, to be honest with you. It's, it's a very hard call. Um, but I, what I want to say to you is, look, you know, this is fab. Of course, I need this for cash flow, but I'm going to go back to my moaning again. <laughs> and I'm sorry about this. You know, I know, I know this is frustration because, you know, whatever stage you're at, if you hear somebody like me moaning, you know, if I'm going to have, uh, you know, a couple of thousand pound month or whatever it's going to be, but, but by the time this is finished, if you're still making less than hundred pound a month, you'll be saying, why is he moaning? You know, I'd love to be making that amount of money, but I think you have to keep, you have to keep moving yourself onto the next scale. This is not going to be as much money as I made before. Okay. End of stories. No way am I making as much money as I did from the first or second book bups. I think it's going to be about 50%. That's my, my estimate, just my sort of feel from this. I will tell you, um, that I am shifting. Um, this is was, this was the surprise to me last time. Um, I have, I have shifted in draft the digital and bearing in mind most of these units I've shifted in the last couple of days of the month. Draft the digital is telling me in February, I shifted 7,170 units last month on draft the digital. 7,170 units. Let me just tell you what Amazon is telling me. Hang on. Where is it? Where are you? I should have had all this prepared, of course, but I never do. Never learned that lesson. So if I just go onto my book report and take a look at last month, I can tell you that I shifted last month 
16,191 free copies of Don't Tell Meg. 16,191. And I've currently made 337 sales on Kindle. So the sales are coming in. Um, but I'm also still selling, um, the grid books because I've still got the good tail over on the grid from the, the book bub I did a couple of months ago on there. So I've got kind of two long tails running. But yeah, in terms of Don't Tell Meg, uh, 16,191 free copies. That's pretty well, it's pretty well this week, not all this week. And so where I make my money now is on read through. Uh, and that's going to determine how much money I make this month. I'm having some really good paydays. I've just had a good payday, actually. My money's just gone up in, in, in draft the digital. So I do get really good paydays off Apple and Barnes and Noble as well. Uh, Google's pretty negligible and my Kobo's have gone up, but I just can't get excited about Kobo. You know, even when I have a book bum on, I mean, my Kobo's gone up, but it's just not, just fails to excite me. My total earnings, I think it's all time. Have I got all time? Yeah, I think my, my total earnings all time on Kobo are 765 quid. Just can't make Kobo work for me. I've got more earnings on that, I'm sure, than on Barnes and Noble and uh, way more than that on Apple. And Apple, Apple's actually very good. I, I, if you'd have asked me before I started doing book bubs, I'd have completely discounted Apple. But, um, you know, the, the Apple income I get is virtually the same as the Kindle income I get. Though, of course, I'm losing reads because I'm not in KDP Select. And that's a frustration for me. So my conclusions from that are really that, you know, it is diminishing returns. And, and this takes, you know, it comes back to my pain as an independent author. It's all very nice being able to do book bubs. It's very nice for cash flow. It means I can pay to get a load of Stuart Bache covers done, you know, out of cash flow. That's all very good. I'm not knocking it for one moment. Okay. But this is not good. This, this is not going to make my author career. When I, I will be happy when I have a sustainable ongoing author career where I'm making, you know, several thousand pounds, dollars per month, every month, month in, month out. And when I launch a book, I have a list of eager to buy customers who just snap up that book because they want to read the next one. I'm not there yet, only in a tiny small way, but I'm not there yet. And that is my frustration. That is my, that is my pain as an indie author, you know, so you might be somewhere different in your career, you might not have even launched yet. And, you know, the whole point of me doing these diaries, I'm going to talk to you about this in a moment or two, we're about to hit the three year anniversary of this podcast in April. You know, the whole point of me doing these diaries is you can follow it from me earning $10 a month, you know, nothing to the point where I am now. And you can hear the frustrations I had at each stage along the way, and they change. You know, I'm sure somebody like Mark Dawson, who's doing phenomenal numbers, absolutely phenomenal numbers as an indie author, I'm sure that Mark still has frustrations of his own and fears of his own at his level. So that I don't think that ever changes. It never changes. Um, but that's what my frustration is at the moment. You know, the holy grail for me at the moment, and it doesn't have to be a huge amount of income, but the holy grail for me is to be able to create an income of, say, three to £5,000 every month, reliably to reliably and on an ov- uh, in an evergreen way to create um you know sustainable monthly income and what i'm doing at the moment it might even out at that but because bookbub's always going to be diminishing returns you know people going to are going to have seen that advert they'll have seen it before even though you have to have a 6 month break um i'm i'm i am reaching new customers but not as many as i was and and there's absolutely no doubt about it that bookbub has diminishing returns so it's not something i can rely on forever and in the short term it's great i'm going to keep thrashing it i'm going to take as and squeeze as much income as i can from it but it's not going to last me forever in the long term i have got to create a sustainable income uh, and that is it's proving 
incredibly elusive for me at the moment. But uh, my feeling is, is that with my thrillers, with Don't Tell Meg, if I do another book bum on them again, I'll only do it when I'm in KDP Select. I want the reads next time because I've missed out on the reads. I, I love the reads. And I, I would I think the next time Don't Tell Meg goes in, it's not going wide. It's going in KDP Select because when I did it the first time and it was only in KDP Select, half my income was from purchases. The other was from reads. And I want it to be available for reads if I give it another try. Can't do it for another six months. So it doesn't really matter for another six months anyway. I've kind of switched off my Amazon ads at the moment. And, you know, I keep hearing people telling me that Amazon ads are fantastic, but not really. They're not working for me. Now, I know I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting on them every day. I'm not sort of sitting on them like a hen incubating eggs. I know that. Um, you know, I've set a few up and I'm waiting to see if they do anything. And actually, if you look at my console, um, it always says whatever time period you do it on, unless it's a daily time period. But if you do it on a weekly or a monthly time period, um, I, I am generally making money in the UK. So I like the UK better than the USA. But I'm not really happy with the USA. I'm switching off lock screen ads. I've been listening to Brian Cohen's uh, new podcast, which is called, what is it, Relentless Authors Marketing or something like that. Not a very catchy title, not, not memorable. So I could never quite remember it yet. I haven't listened to enough episodes. Uh, but check out Brian's uh, podcast, which is really interesting. He he said the same thing. He had a lock screen ad that, that just wasted loads of money for him this week and he'd switched it off. And, and I'm not convinced by these lock screen ads at all. Um, I think they I think they display very well, but I think their conversion is low. And I am, as I've said to you before, predisposed to like them because they're interruption marketing. They're sitting there when you switch your console on. But I think probably your frame of mind when you switch your Kindle on is I am reading a book not I am buying a book. So that's why I think they possibly don't work. But I've switched mine off now because they're they're wasting money for me. And I'm going to come back to Amazon ads maybe over the kind of Easter holiday period. I've had um, book funnel promos going all of this week. Uh, let me just tell you what the results are. So I've had a science fiction uh, book funnel promo that ends today. Uh, here are the latest numbers. Let me just refresh the page so I can tell you exactly what we've got. That promo had 30 participants We've had 2,149 views of the offer page. We've had 4,844 clicks and we've had 2,338 claims of books. So if I give you an average of that, that's 2,338. I can't talk and type things into a calculator. Share 30 equals, that's an average, it's about 80 leads per book that is. Now, it won't be exactly that. So if I take a look at my book, let me tell you what I got from it, actually. My breakdown is, you see, some books do better than others. So I've had 125 um, copies of Phase 6 and claimed, and I've had um, 216 copies of The Secret Bunker. So um, I've had more than average from that. I've done very well. So 125 add 216 equals, I've had 341 claims from that giveaway but that doesn't necessarily mean subscribers. Now, sci-fi giveaways are often a bit quieter than thrillers. So let me tell you about my thriller giveaway. Yeah, the numbers are higher in the thriller. So in the thriller giveaway, we've had 3,302 views, 8,291 clicks, and we've had uh, 4,575 claims. Now, if I just do the averages on that, four. Five, seven, five, share 30 participants. So on average, we've got 152 claims each, but my numbers are better. So I've got two books in there. I've got Dead of Night and One Fatal Error. So three, three, I've got 330 claims of Dead of Night. I've got 360 claims of 
one fatal error. So my claims were well above the average in that giveaway. I had 690 claims. So I don't know what that equates to in terms of subscribers, because with GDPR, you can claim a book without having to register for my mailing list. So you get more claims, you get more people reading your book than you do get people, of course, adding to your email list. But if I tell you that because it's the end of the month, I've just got an email from MailerLite telling me how many new people I added to my list this month. And I can tell you that I've added 551 new leads to uh, MailerLite this month. And uh, I could also tell you, by the way, that I've had 110 unsubscribed. So you win some, you lose some, but the it's a net gain of 441, isn't it? A net gain of 441 this month. And I should then break 4,000 total subscribers in my mailing list when I get the book sweeps list. Now, if you remember, I've done two book sweeps giveaways. Um, interestingly, by the way, with the book sweeps, when I got my list of subscribers from book sweeps, and remember, these are all GDPR friendly subscribers. They can get your book or take part in the competition without actually having to add to your list. You are getting readers, but not every reader is equating to an email subscriber. This is to make us GDPR friendly. Now, when I got the list from Book Sweeps the other week, I got something like 660 subscribers. But what I found out, and I haven't told you this yet, but what I found out was when I moved that list into MailerLite, over 200 of those subscribers were my own. <laughs> so I'd sent a lot of subscribers to other authors, but they weren't any use to me because they just got absorbed and, um, you know, synchronized with the existing list. So I maybe got about 400 and something from the thriller book sweeps. Now, the sci-fi book sweeps, which has been running this week, not only did it not have that many contributors, it only had 15 contributors, the book sweeps organizer sent us an email this week to say, oh, we've extended the period of the giveaway, which generally means it's been a bit quiet. So I'm not, ex I'm not expecting very many subscribers as a result of that but I am hoping that the subscribers I get from the book sweeps when I, when I get that um, database which will probably be late next week there's always a little delay between the giveaway closing and you getting the list and um, I hope it will just take me over the 4,000 subscriber mark and I'm working quite hard to try and get my subscriber list to 5,000 by the time I start doing rapid release that, that would be quite nice so I start to pay more at 5,000 so if I can sort of get it up to that next paywall uh, just kiss around the 5,000 level, that will be quite nice. It also means I'm getting what I pay for, you know, because I'm paying up to 5,000 subscribers. So that's kind of my target. If I can, if, if I can get it higher than that, that'll be great. But I have found that the numbers are way down at the moment with, um, you know, with, with GDPR and with us having to give people a voluntary opt-in for books. The, the numbers from these events, they're still pretty good. You know, they're still pretty good. There's no other way you could build it that fast, I don't think. Uh, but uh, they're, they're way down from what they were pre GDPR. That doesn't bother me because they're more focused, more targeted leads, but it does mean it makes it sort of slower and harder to grow your list. And I kind of understand that. And I'm happy to have quality leads as my kind of, you know, compensation um, for that. They're the better quality leads. Okay, so that's pretty well it from this diary. I did mention earlier on that the 4th of April is the third anniversary of this podcast. Now, the 4th of April... Actually, it's quite a way ahead. No, we're in March now. It's about a month away, isn't it? So uh, I was just thinking it's a bit early to be telling you because it's still February, but it's not. It's March the 1st when I'm recording this. So yeah, it's going to be a Thursday. Thursday the 4th of April is my three-year anniversary, which amazes me, to be honest with you. I can't believe I've kept it going uh, this long. But I will be doing a special anniversary episode on the 4th of April. And my idea at the moment is just a kind of... I just thought, well, what's a good thing to do on the third anniversary? I thought, well, a good thing to do is for me to sit down and just tell you what I've learned 
in three years. This is this is how I do things. This is what I've learned, and just to pull it together in a single episode. So my kind of working title for that extra episode is going to be 50 Things I Do as an Indie Author. And I've started making notes about it. And it's basically going to be, you know, after all the trial and error that I've done, I did loads and loads when I started doing this. I just wanted to have a definitive episode where I tell you, this is the software I, I, I use to do the job. This is the services that I use, the online services and the kind of physical services. Uh, these are the podcasts I get most value from. These are the books that I've got most value from. And to just do a big list, it might be bigger than 50 when I start writing everything down. But to just give you um, a definitive list of everything I am doing three years into this podcast. This is the the kind of, you know, the the, the world of Paul, accord, you know, just according to me. It's not the way you should do it. But I just thought it's quite a handy episode that just to summarise, you know, three years of learning and to say this is where I am now to provide a snapshot. So that's my working title um if you if there's anything sort of better that you can think of or something that you feel like you'd really like to hear after th- sort of three years of me doing this podcast uh, do drop me a line at paul at paul to let me know but at the moment i'm working on 50 things it might be 75 by the time i've finished I'll, i haven't started making the list yet, or i've only just started making the list yet but i sort of thought well if you if you just discover this podcast that'll actually be a really handy episode to to head for straight away to just go through it and say okay let's sift through three years of learning and just what are you doing now based on everything you've learned in three years of of doing this podcast so that's the working title 50 things I do as an indie author let me know if you can come up with anything different it may well be you know 75 by the time we get there but that's a special episode that I'm going to record for Thursday the 4th of July when we are three years old okay that's it Uh, next week in the diary you'll find out whether I decided to write on Saturday and Sunday or whether I decided to wait until Thursday to write the last 5,000 words I've almost convinced myself doing this diary that I'm probably going to write on Saturday and Sunday and just get it done and then come to book three maybe even have Thursday to have a a bit more I have planned book three but to have a bit more thinking time with book three I'll I'll think it through and you'll find out in next week's diary I'll let you know how it goes and I'll also give you an indication of how the kind of book bub is going two weeks in into that promotion thanks ever so much for listening I really appreciate it as ever I hope you have a fantastic week of writing editing or whatever indie author jobs you're doing I'll speak to you next Saturday bye bye for now thanks for listening to Paul's podcast diary Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.